Clay, we saw Rene Aubergenois in the Enterprise in the first season in a terrible episode called Oasis. And now we get mm. uh, Damar, the, the actor, I think his name is um, something Casey, right? Did I just tell you his name and now I've completely forgotten it? Casey Biggs. Casey you Biggs. Did. You did just tell me his name. And then you <laughs> <laughs> We're pulling the curtain back. Casey Biggs is in this episode as I believe he's the alien captain. Now that I'm, I've, I've thought about it and I seem so sure, but now I seem less sure, but I'm pretty sure he's the alien captain in this one. And Damar, a, a fan favorite and one of my favorites from well, DS9. You know, that's what people come to this show for is the hard researched facts. <laughs> About cast and crew. <laughs> That's the downside of the video. They can see my eyes over here scanning the uh, the Wikipedia pages. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's going on? Video is the uh, the giveaway in a way that audio, as long as you speak confidently and just kind of kill time as you're scrolling furiously, you can sound like anything. But it's always good to see him in these things. He's great as Damar. He's okay as the captain in this episode, I suppose, but that's not his fault, I wouldn't say. We're going to be kind talking... Of, uh... Kind kind of similar usages of him and uh, Renee there as sort of ineffectual aliens who are just kind of there. Yeah, that's an Enterprise staple, I think. Coming coming yeah. from DS9 into uh, Enterprise, that's what you end up with. Um, this is a better episode than Oasis, though. Not to spoil anything, we didn't like Oasis, but we. I, I at least uh, I have a higher opinion of this episode. But let's get to it. I'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode, and we'll come back, and we're going to break down damage. The comp system's still down, so we don't have a complete casualty list yet. So far, the news isn't good. Five people are confirmed dead, dozens wounded. Most of the hull breaches have been contained with emergency bulkheads. What about cargo bay two? I don't know. There's no way to get to it. A large portion of E-Deck is still decompressed. Weapons? The air torpedo launcher's working, but that's about it. I really don't know what's holding us together. But let's hope it doesn't give out. Damage is the 19th episode of the third season. Came out on April 21st, 2004. It is the 20 of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc, written by Phyllis Strong, directed by James L. Conway, in-universe date, not specifically known, but it's 2154. In this episode, called Damage, the Enterprise crew must cope with devastating damage to the ship, with another alien ship needing assistance nearby. T'Pol seeks help from Flocks for some personal damage, and a dissent grows in the Zindi Council about it. Um, this is a highly regarded Enterprise episode. Uh, mm-hmm. some people before we started this had mentioned that this might be the only five in enterprise. You spoiled that by giving other episodes fives. And you said that, uh, <laughs> you said that those episodes are better. Than Eat it. <laughs> I have not yet given a five. Everyone's it's mm-hmm. like, uh, it's like a pitcher's, uh, no hit streak. People are waiting on for me to, to me to just, <laughs> me to just hit a single down the line and get on base and end this guy's thing. But Damage is the episode we're going to be talking about. Do I'm of a mind to talk about the T'Pol thing first. Would you want to do that? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Let's get you that out of the way. T'Pol's, T'Pol's hidden free base addiction. <laughs> T'Pol's heroin addiction to some glowy rock that I, at least the only thing I have She's to say. She's doing meth. Basically. Yeah. The only thing I have to say was I was glad she didn't just smoke the shit after she pulled it out of that machine. She, and- I was 100% sure she was going to smoke it because she cooks that thing down. And I was like, she's just going to smoke that shit. <laughs> um, listener Kyle, maybe I should read his comment now at this point. I'll read his comments and because I think that that will um, inspire us here. So. To spoil his entire thing, he says, Kyle Barrett says, a great counterpoint to anomaly in which the roles are switched, and here we have Archer's extreme measures being more believable given the situation than when he, when he tortured a guy a mere two episodes into the season. There were rocks falling from every hole in the ship, and the titular damage is executed well, especially when it leads to moody, atmospheric discussions in the literal and metaphorical darkness. The drug addiction to Paul's storyline is decent, but I struggle with the ludicrous way she takes them, melting down chunks of rocks and injecting the whole load into her neck. I would have much rather seen her with an old belt around the arm while she crouched over a burnt bent spoon and a Bic lighter, a blunt needle in one hand and cotton wool gauze in the other. Storyline also speaks of Kato's uh, greatly, great, in, greater influence because it's him coming in and finding ways to explain things that he doesn't like on the show, like DePaul's recent bout of jealousy and horniness. 4.5 warp coils that look like the TARDIS central console out of five. So I read that 
mostly because I don't like the drug storyline. And mm. if this is a correction that they're trying to do, I like it even less as to what yeah. as to what's going on here. So what Kyle and I think maybe other patrons are going to say is that this storyline is done to excuse her previous actions where early in the season, I think the understanding is that Mandy Cotto comes in and says, why is T'Pol acting this way in a way that we've complained mm-hmm. about before? Let's write a solution to this where she becomes addicted to heroin and is chasing the emotion dragon this entire season. Yeah. I, so in a Star Trek nerd sense, which is the least important sense, but I'm going to bring it up for us to get it out of the way. I don't understand why Vulcans need this drug to chase emotion because my understanding of what Vulcans are doing is that they feel things, but that they shut it down so that they don't. Right. So it's not that they have no emotion and this is like Data getting his emotion pill and she's needs like, I, I just need more of this. That's not the way the Vulcans are constructed in my mind. At least that's not the way that they should be in my opinion. So I don't know mm. why she needs a drug to unleash this either. And I don't like the fact that it looks exactly like either opium or heroin or something like that. And it's just so obviously a drug analogy that it is, in my opinion, I'm not going to give this a five because of this to Paul storyline. There are other reasons too, other problems, but this to Paul storyline is like unforgivable to be in a, a, a good episode. I think. Yeah. I, I really disliked the to Paul stuff. Um, and it, I, again, I <clears throat> kind of to echo what you said. I I, li- I dislike it even more if it was some sort of course correction because I was more interested in T'Pol as a Vulcan who is kind of losing her edge just naturally from being around uh, humans. I uh, I don't think that you need her to be on emotion drugs like Equilibrium or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no there's no reason to do that and it just it comes out of absolutely nowhere. Like there's no you could you could go back and watch the entire season again and not be like, "Okay, this is where she starts smoking meth." You know, like right. it's, it's <laughs> a complete fabrication. Well, you, you wouldn't say that she's and been more rowdy the past couple episodes. We talked about it last episode. We were like, "What's well, wrong yeah, with T'Pol?" Uh, yeah, okay. If you if you if you want to Count this one and the last one as as one episode. I would say it's it has not been a long time, but I think that they realized this within the past couple episodes and have now played it up. I think since Azadi, I think it was only Azadi Prime that this began, where they got attacked and she was in Is the it, uh, the ready room freaking out and yeah, like you got to get out there. It was last episode. Yeah, the last episode. Yeah. yeah. So clearly, like they they were planning to do this for one episode. Right. Yep. Um. And it, but it's just like it comes out of nowhere. It doesn't make a lick of sense as far as figuring out that she could freebase that stuff down into an injectable drug yep. i don't know it's yep. and and to like yeah to what end i was so confused um, when she got the suit to go out there i had i was like what is she yeah. gonna like just to see and scan this stuff to see if this is what's causing her the problem she goes and cracks off a piece of it and cooks it it's like well that's not the way i expected this storyline to go whatsoever yeah. and i don't know and i also her- and, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I've been speaking enough. Well, I was just going to say it's I f- I feel like it undermines her character quite a bit to turn her into a drug addict. Like she's <laughs> later on in the episode when Archer has to go go back to the other ship. He doesn't know she's a drug addict, but it's pretty clear she's fucked up. Yeah. Like she's messed up and he's just like, "Well, you have the bridge." And like <laughs> Like You've never flocks. Flocks doesn't be like, hey, uh, maybe don't put Paul in charge. She's don't, a little don't, bit uh, on edge here. Don't bring up Flo- I The other big thing I hate about this is flocks. How can flocks mm-hmm. be like? This is just between the two of us when she's in charge of the ship with everything like that. There's got to be yeah. some kind of out to the patient she confidentiality was making, thing. She was making decisions last episode while she was high on goofballs <laughs> and it got the ship blown up. Yeah, no, and it's like true. she's. She is making decisions as a she is making. Why is she? Is she just doing this because she's she just wants to feel stuff? I think is that so. The deal? That's like, that's what that's her explanation, which is a very data esque nonsensical explanation for me as as someone who cares somewhat about canon, but isn't going to. You know, but I I think it's just the reason it matters is because it seems completely contrary to what the Vulcan identity 
is, which is like the the whole point is they're not robots. They're just suppressing it. You know, I I think that makes them different from robots and it's a huge difference. And I think it's important to their species, basically. Yeah. And it also bugs me. Like, why is she doing this now? They're kind of doing something important. And she is putting this search for emotion, which... I don't even I don't even know how she ended up figuring out that she could do it by smoking Trillium X or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Uh triglyceride nine. Um in it and it's it's affecting her work as the first officer, and that does not feel like something that she would do. Like what what is the maybe I missed it. Maybe she said this if she did, please please tell me. What is the catalyst for this drug experimentation? What, was there something that they did? That she's like, it was after that moment that I realized that I needed to figure out how to feel stuff well, by was smoking she, shit. She began to experiment with Trellium after their encounter with the Vulcan ship, the, the zombie Vulcans, and how injecting herself with the compound allowed her to access certain emotions, but she's now addicted. So I, I was under the impression that she started to get a taste for it because they had lined the ship with it to protect the ship from those anomalies. Mm-hmm. But Memory Alpha doesn't seem to say that at all. It just says, she consults Phlox, who is shocked and needs to know precisely what's going on. He, I think he says that. I need to know precisely what's going on. <laughs> Deval explains how she began to experiment with Trellium after their encounter with the Vulcan ship and how injecting it with the compound herself allowed her to access certain emotions. I don't know. If you have something to say about it, I'll try to look and see if there's another thing. But... I, I was even giving it more credit, thinking that because they had lined the ship with it, it had started to just seep into her, and she wanted more, and so she 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 jumped to injecting it. Basically, it was like you know this is mm-hmm. I need to get I need to chase the dragon a little bit. Well, I I thought that they hadn't lined the ship with it because it fucked her up. Wasn't that the whole thing in that story? Is that they couldn't? No, isn't that line a sacrifice? Well, oh, God damn! Now I can't. Now I feel like I thought that yeah, that episode. I, I, I believe I believe they ended up not lining the ship with it because. It was messing her up too much. That makes and sense. So they actively chose not to line the ship. So that's it. why they have it in the hold um, because they did not. Right. Actually that's why do they the just have it in it. containers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Never mind. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's just I find it to be like a devastating undermine to her character uh, at this point, and it's I don't know. It. I. I do not think it is the right choice at all. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know. <sighs> Yeah, I don't. There's so much more interesting stuff going on in this episode, and like I guess thematically, it's they're trying to line it up with uh, Archer's what Archer is doing here, as far as like you know, it's damage, literal and metaphorical, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's like this isn't <clears throat> this isn't a damage that we have any relationship to. If we learned that she was smoking Trillium X five episodes ago. And this is when it finally comes out. Sure, right. that that makes perfect sense. It's helpful but to the audience Conan, to know going into the Azadi episode to know that she's compromised as the audience right. and not the crew yeah. is a much more interesting. Oh shit! Like, what's DePaul going to do because she's high mm-hmm. at this time? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know why they. But to, to to jump off that point to go back to why didn't they line the ship? It only makes sense to me in some sort of narrative level, if they decided to line the ship with it because it was the only way to get through the expanse at the expense of T'Pol. And T'Pol... Which is not what they did. Yeah. Not what they did. But if T'Pol, if T'Pol agreed to that and this degradation and addiction was because of her sacrifice to get the mission done, that makes more sense to me as a, as a oh, sort sure. of metaphorical yeah. damage that she's been taking. But it, I yeah. don't think they did that. So I don't know what no, the point they didn't. was. Yeah. Yeah, like it was from I remember her reacting to it like it was kryptonite basically. And yeah. like they Well, it drove the other do, Vulcans insane. They became zombie right. brain eating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um so yeah, I can't I can't square that at all. I think it's I think it's a mistake. Um I think it's going to be even worse next episode or the episode afterwards where she is just like fine and she doesn't do it anymore and then she's back to being a robot again. Yeah. Um yeah, I just. <laughs> I can't believe it's, it's about not, chasing emotions. That's so stupid. Yeah, that, that it's just so it doesn't stupid. make any. Even I, even if they didn't do that, if she was just like, 
again, it's the line of the hole. So if she's the line of the hole and she just needs it badly because she'll die without mm-hmm. it or something, it's like, okay, well, I can kind of understand that. But she's she just has the worst <laughs> rationale for the character who should have the best rationale about all of this stuff comes up with the worst one to, to keep. Because it, it also, it's not like she's doing it for anybody's benefit. Like, I could see her doing it because she, she, maybe she thinks it, like, keeps her sharp or something or gives her some some intention at least in her own mind some rationale that it helps the ship or helps her do her job or something yeah. but if it, it's no it's that's a that's a big no for me dog i don't have much else to say about it but it takes up a tremendous amount of episode in this episode and it really I, does yeah. i don't like it i don't like the flock sequence with her i don't like the fact that this is what has been if this is an attempt to fix a storyline where T'Pol's portrayal has been strange to this point and out of Vulcan character, mm-hmm. I think having her make a non-Vulcan character decision, like a pinnacle decision in that way, does not really fix the issue here. And as we've gone over, right. she just doesn't, there's no there's no benefit to her here. It's just a greedy, strange decision that seems to be, the opposite of that character. So when she's yelling at Archer about the sequence where Archer is deciding to leave these, rob these people and leave them behind, she's kind of losing her moral high ground there because she's so compromised in the things that she's been doing. And I don't think that's supposed to be the point of that. I don't think it's supposed to be like yeah. T'Pol's a hypocrite because she did all this stuff. It doesn't come across like that, but that'll jump us into the... Um, well, and that, that scene just killed, kills me because like imagine... <laughs> Jump, jump forward uh, eight years or so, Wes, and uh, a strung out Alistair comes in <laughs> and starts yelling at you about the fact that uh, he needs the car and then smashes a vase in the floor and then you just go, all right, here are the keys. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you've never done, you've never, you've never smashed my personal belongings before. I, I yeah, you've never done that before. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like she's, he doesn't even acknowledge that she's, she's acting un, unbecoming of a Vulcan. I think know? he says you're, you've like, been acting strange lately. I think that's his one piece. Like it's, it's okay, the, great. <laughs> even more perfect reason to give her the keys to the fucking ship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into the, the Archer plot which is why i think everyone so highly regards this episode uh i'm going to open this by asking you is is my opinion or the way that i'm taking enterprise to be true or do you think that i'm being unnecessarily harsh on the show and looking at other Mm -hmm. shows with rose tinted glasses is enterprise out of all the trek shows we've covered so far the least subtle in dialogue exposition as to what characters are thinking about as they do things. Do you think, were the other, were the other, do the other Trek shows have moments where the character goes, I don't have any other choice. I have to do this. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I just think that the other shows, not that they're like Shakespearean in their writing, but the, I, don't, I don't feel that they frequently had characters say things like that or like that, that, that the bluntness of what they were doing was so, uh, expressed to everybody else like there's no there's no subtlety to what Archer is thinking or doing I think a lot of this is in Bacula's performance I think this is a terrible Bacula performance for what needs to be done mm-hmm. here guys guys he's not getting this we need to shut some lights off we gotta, <laughs> we gotta get the drama out of this somehow just turn the lights off just keep turning the lights off lower the exposure in post you, do, do you know what I mean like I feel that for everything that I like about this episode the bluntness of they didn't give it to us. We have to take it. Like, I, mm. I just, I wish that they didn't talk well, about it so much that way. I wish it was more just of like a, the crew knew what was being asked of them and no one really talked about it. And maybe they do kind of do that. But I still feel that the Bacula performance and Bacula's and Archer's dialogue is really bad in this about what he's choosing to do. Well, I, I actually was kind of surprised that they they weren't, we might be remembering it differently. I don't know, but I, I, f- I didn't feel like they were as on the nose <clears throat> as I expected them to be. Uh, uh, I feel like there's a certain point where once everybody was clued in, they kind of started talking pretty openly. But, uh, um, like the scene with with flocks, I thought 
was pretty good because he yeah. never comes out and says what they're gonna what he's gonna do. Yes, um, I would agree. I would agree with that. I, I think that the flock scene works in a way that I expected the rest of it. But he has he has conversations with at least a handful of other people. I think maybe Reed and stuff like that about what they have mm-hmm. to do and some other people. Um, this is this is also so funny. Like you do, you're you're doing this. You're you're having. You're having Archer make a decision that just is sh- is ethically shattering for what they the Starfleet guys all think that their their deal is and in, in the the code that they live by. Three episodes after Archer almost killed the entire ship by giving them orders that nobody wanted to follow because they were ethically insane. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you had the the Makos as a big part of that when the Makos are here, but like, about I feel hatchery, like this is an the, episode. The bug, the bug yes, episode. Hatchery. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the Makos could have been a bigger presence here as well because it's a, as far as like the decision making process, or at least in the because uh, because Ar- Archer is now actively bringing in the military arm to do something that they shouldn't have to do, but that you know they're just kind of in the background. Uh, they're the guns getting, in this. getting shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked some of it. I, I think some of it played pretty well. Like I think that the, f- the scene where they just are all kind of talking about what's, what needs to happen, I thought was, was interesting because they are trying to think about like the most ethical way to be unethical in a sense, as far as how they can get in there and get out and not destroy the ship and you know not completely strand them or whatever yep don't take away their um, weapons because it can't be defenseless leave them food when you take their other thing leave them supplies and stuff like that yeah 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 but um but yeah i i, I think uh archer probably is laying it on a bit thick but uh but yeah i i thought i thought everybody else handled it pretty well i didn't think there was too much well, they had like one or two. What is it? He he gets into the shouting match with Tapal, and Tapal smashes the thing on the the corner of the desk, and then he gets into a similar argument with Trip. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they didn't they didn't stand out too much as being like too over the top, but uh, I might be misremembering how how specific the dialogue actually was. Yeah, I I think it's um. And I, I guess that's why I wonder. It, it was my takeaway while I was watching it, thinking like. I just don't know. I don't know if Enterprise's script writing and dialogue writing matches um, some of the other series at their best when they're doing something yeah. like that because it just seems it seems a little bit like rudimentary or simplistic in in a lot of mm-hmm. ways compared to the other shows where I think that the other shows maybe layer the stuff better. Like I I really like this central conceit here about you know we we've certainly been building to this point across the season of uh I wish it would have been more effectively built towards this point but you, like you, you, we've been talking about during the Zindi arc how eventually this like these episodes should just be a cascade of bad things happening to the enterprise until they get to a point where they're like well we have to do something about that and mm-hmm. this is that point I would agree with you that the the downside of the storyline has been like the extreme the the fact that they treat the individual episodes as standalone Star Trek episodes where they adjust the ethics of the situation to work within the single episode, but they don't care about the long-term arc of it. So like Hatchery is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead you end up here where I really like this. I like the idea of stealing something from another ship because they need it to get by and things like that. And I like the idea of straining them and things. Uh, I, I like this whole... This whole development, I think, is appropriate and good for the episode. It's just that I think that sometimes the technical aspects of this show don't match up with the concept of it in a way that I'm like, oh, this is just a fantastic episode going on right now. It always feels like it's a little held back, and I don't know why, because I really like this. I like this idea, and it's. I think it's just Archer's... Mm-hmm. Uh, wishy-washiness across the whole season ends you in a place where you go like well he seems he, he didn't seem this way the last episode now he seems completely unhinged in what's going on and i just yeah. don't find this development to be any satisfying uh anything satisfying well, whatsoever i do think that they actually set this up pretty well coming out of the last episode 
Yeah, um, which is essentially a two-parter. You know, I would I would yeah, consider this to yeah. be a one and two-parter because um, you know they've got him blowing up the outpost on the moon, which is kind of his first step over the line, and then he's kind of wrestling with that stuff a little bit. It's kind of funny though that it, the, <laughs> that this element comes after the point when he chooses diplomacy instead of blowing up everything. You know, yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you know one step forward two steps back kind of thing uh but yeah i think they've i think they set that ball in motion well from the last episode but yeah as far as like a a, a season long build up not as not as clean as it could be yeah yeah and i was i was chuckling a little bit because the the, the casey biggs alien guys that show up it's just it, it it very much feels like you know the hayseed who shows up in new york and is like hey could somebody point me to a hotel and then arch is like yeah i can show you a hotel right around this corner and then <laughs> yeah. steals his wallet you know yeah. it's like that just out of nowhere they show up and they're like hey we're new to the expanse what's what's going on the zindi i've never heard of the zindi who are they who are they yeah what's going on here you guys in a, a war or something yeah yeah it's, it's, <laughs> i i um they should have just they should have just taken those guys to, at the end, you know. They should have just taken take them on the Enterprise right, or something. Yeah. Like you can come with us, and we'll drop you off at home. Yeah, I they are. You know, I I guess I can't hold it against Casey Big. Those those aliens are just kind of generic alien that walks in. You know, it's almost like the mm-hmm. the design of their ship is more important that the ship can't be too powerful for the Enterprise to actually capture. It can't be too fast for it to get away and stuff like that. Right, right. So the the aliens that are on it are just generic guy who's like i'd love to help but i can't help and then later on them shaking their fists at the screen saying like why would you do this to us so there's nothing really there they felt they felt very like rick and morty characters to me like that rick and morty's really good at like middle class aliens yeah who are aliens only in because we don't understand what they are but they're just kind of like you know regular people yeah (laughs) uh star trek aliens are usually have some some spin or some uh, a quirk. grandeur or or quirk or something. And these guys were just, you know, just out here checking stuff out yeah. in the Expanse, getting some readings. <laughs> a lot of people exploring the Expanse, which is funny. Like virtually every alien they run into is just checking out the Expanse for the first time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. So, I mean, people like this storyline. I think this is, to its credit, this is the most complicated situation that I think the Enterprise has found itself in. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. like the hatchery mm-hmm. conundrum, really. I don't think that's especially a difficult decision that they had to make. People would seem to disagree, think that it's a, a kind of decision that Archer has or that the crew has. I, I disagree. That seemed different. This one seems much more personal, and you have to, you have to take action in this plot. The Enterprise has to do something. It can't just sort of walk right. away. And that makes it much more uh difficult and upsetting. I think my I think my my other sort of problem with the approach to this material is that because this is a series that doesn't do a lot of crew ready room conference room scenes I feel there was a lot left on the table about how people were going to feel about this thing. Like they, they kind of bend sure. Archer's will, which is understandable because it seems like they have to do it. And because they're in a desperate situation at this point, but I really wish the show focused more on the conversations between the characters and showed at least a, like some people have different opinions about this. You know, like someone has some kind of qualm about this, even flocks. And this one's like, well, you got to do what you got to do. I'll get sick bay ready, right. you know, and, I can kind of understand that, but I, I wanted more discussion about that. Enterprise is not the show to do those discussions, which I think is what I always find to be lacking. Yeah, <clears throat> they they always kind of they kind of tiptoe around it a little bit in this one. I think I think you're right. I think the the lack of kind of ready room sequences probably hurts them because Enterprise usually does that stuff one on one, and this episode has like four different one on one things. Yeah. Uh, in a way that like TNG might handle it with a everybody kind of talking at the same time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but wouldn't it add depth to the yeah. story to just have a couple characters be like, "This is wrong. 
Like what you're doing is oh, wrong. Oh, sure. Like I just the, yeah, absolutely. The enterprise, and it, it comes probably down to, ones who weren't fucking high out of their minds when they said it. <laughs> well, it, it just comes down to the the cardboard supporting characters, like the people who are not the major three of this one, don't have any room to grow as characters because they just bend to whatever Archer does. Like this is the most unilateral Star Trek show. I think it's just what Archer says happens. Even. Even Kirk was more willing to listen to what other people were talking about and sort of like get advice from all quarters. Archer is very, for how mild-mannered he is, he's extremely, I make the decisions on this ship and everyone Mm -hmm. will just kind of go along with what I want. I think there's just a tremendous lack of depth and it's all surface level to just have everyone sort of go along with this and the writers to expect that the, the conflict here and this decision is meaty enough to carry an episode like this. And it's almost is, but you still in a Star Trek show, I think need some kind of disagreement or conflict about whether or not this is to do it. And then when it happens, you can have the fallout of those character interactions and the people who thought it was a good idea and the people thought it was a bad idea in the next episode, this can actually continue to play out and they don't, they don't do that in this show. And it's a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I I was a little bit surprised. Well, not surprised, but it it plays a little bit weird that th- this kind of this kind of thing pops up kind of out of nowhere. Um, where you know they have their conversation about we got to get to this point by this day, but we can't get there because our warp core is fucked and whatever. And then it's like a cut to Archer walking through the dark room and then Flox comes in, they're kind of talking about ethics or whatever. And so you're kind of getting a sense of what they're going to do. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I was thinking like, man, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be that much more interesting if like they were having a conversation with the crew about what the next step was and then read or read or in maybe the Mako the Mako's, captain yeah. or something was like, well, there's obviously only one choice here. We we know that there's a ship in 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 range that we can chase down that has what we need. Yep. We need to go take it, and then you can have Trip be you know like ah oh, we can't do that. We don't do that where I come from or whatever. Yeah, and it's you know, a little it bit of a section thirty one argument. You know, the Mako should have a little bit of yeah. that section thirty one personality to them. Yeah, and so that way you've got things you've got the cast kind of bouncing these ideas around which are essentially the ideas that are bouncing around in archer's head and so when you have that scene when it's just him and flocks and he makes his decision it's like okay shit this is what we're doing you know there's a there's a little bit of there's a little bit more weight to it a little bit more repercussions about like whether or not everybody's going to go along with it, you know, who's going to be kind of mad at who? Are they going to be mad at the the Makos for suggesting it, or mad at Reed for suggesting it, or whatever? Yep. You know, you get a scene out of Trip, Trip, and instead of everybody yelling at Archer, you could get a scene out of Trip and the Mako captain, or Trip and Reed, or something like, we're like, how could you do that? We don't do that kind of thing, or you know, yeah. And like, well, you're the engineer. How else are we going to do it? Yeah. It's the only way we had to, you know, that kind of thing. Um. And putting putting it all on Archer's shoulders, it makes sense given the way that they've been treating him in this show, especially the last few episodes, but given him this kind of like messiah complex a little bit. Um, but I, I wish I wish they would have spread it around a little bit uh, and 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 had it be more of a. A decision that everybody, you know, like like you're saying, that it wasn't as as unilateral as yeah. as the show tends to be. Because because again, like I'm surprised, like Trip wasn't like Captain did. Uh, did one of those aliens spurt you with any juice or something <laughs> when you ran into them? Because you're acting kind of weird. Every time, Trip. are they from some? Are they from some uh, some species that just you know needs someone to conquer them, so they just <laughs> spray their. Yeah, I I think that's the problem, really, is because I, I think that this show, while it's trying to do a serialized story, and it's somewhat effective at it, it does it in a way where what I think it misses and what I think DS9 does better in a way of being a serialized storytelling is that Enterprise's serialized storytelling is almost completely plot mechanics it's like 
we're going to set up these plot strings that are going to connect here and it's going to do this over here and then we're going to a couple episodes in Arch will make this this decision and everything will sort of pan off and the plot strings come together fairly effectively the problem is that because the show tends to ignore its characters the characters are stuck ping-ponging back and forth supporting these plot mechanics to get them into place right and so they don't have this sense of where DS9, I felt its plot could get a little bit waffly sometimes because at least the character uh, tendencies were consistent on that show. Like you knew mm. how people were going to react to things. And so right. if you kind yeah. of went off yeah. a little bit, you'd be like, well, I, I can forgive the plot there because it makes more sense for Odo to react this way or Quark to do this or whatever. This show doesn't have it. And what it tends to do, while it keeps its plot serialized, it has very episodic treatment of characters. And the characters yes. don't continue... Yeah through episodes in this season they just make decisions that are based on that episode by itself and because the characters are somewhat cardboardy you can have any character do anything and it doesn't seem like it's really a problem in the sense of the episode because you don't know anything about this character but in the serial story it feels weird that that, that this character is doing these things mm. and i think that's really what the problem of this season has been is that they don't their character growth is almost non-existent or maybe their characterization across how these stories are going has not been as smooth as the plot buildup and the actual like narrative mechanic stuff, which I find is just the less interesting way to approach the storytelling because in a show like Star Trek, so much of it is built around these people stuck in a tin can and how are they going to feel about it? And I couldn't tell you how anyone feels about it outside of they have these throwaway scenes where Hoshi's like, I wish I hadn't come out here. And Mayweather says, well, we'll get back sometime. And then it cuts to the next person saying something inane like that. And I, I wish it was better. And the real drama from this series would only come from those character interactions and not the fact that they just, they have to decide to steal something from a ship and everyone kind of goes along with it. And that's it, you know? Yeah, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why I find the T'Pol stuff even more offensive because, uh, you know, so, someone said somewhere along the line that character development is when you show a character, you define a character by having them react the same way all the time. And then character development is when they finally decide to react a different way, right? Mm-hmm. The character growth. And I f- so, like, in Deep Space Nine, you've got these characters who are pretty clearly defined about how they feel about certain things like you got your odo who's a, who's very uh, kind of a hardliner yep. um law and order type and then at some point they odo gets put into a position where he does something that is not so hardline that he starts leading with you know emotion or something yep character development consistency then mixing that up is what makes these characters move forward with T'Pol. I feel like they were going in the right direction where you have her acting a certain way, but, you know, she's dealing with trip now. They're getting all, you know, they're touching butts on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Having uh, a lot of shower sex. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, that was the other thing. I, I knew I had I knew that was a dream as soon yeah. as they did it, but it made me think. I was like, are they are they hooking up regularly yeah. or yeah. was that just a one time thing? Because like, they don't fantasy. react. Yeah. Yeah. They don't interact with each other on the ship like they're hooking up regularly yeah but you know you've got so you've got to paul who is who is a vulcan who is a regimented logical your classic vulcan who is now changing she's acting differently she's becoming a little bit more emotional is it she's spending time with these humans that is an interesting character change it's not an interesting character change when it turns out that it's because she's on space heroin she's on the dope you know (laughs) Yeah, because that that then that gives you it's not character change. It's just a, this crutch they pulled out of nowhere. Yep. But eventually they're going to. I would be shocked if she's not back to normal within like three episodes. Right. And by normal, I mean like you know more uh, uh, logical Vulcan. Because like you know, it's been what is this two thousand five or so? It's been fifty five years of the same kind of Vulcan on every show. Yeah. Let her do something different, you know? That's why it never really bothered me the way that they were playing her in the show because I feel like it was it was interesting like she was kind of riding the line enough yeah. that it was they could go interesting uh, directions with her. But, yeah, the, the drug thing just makes her that much more or that less of an interesting character to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, T'Pol could... 
T'Pol could have been built in that way where a Vulcan makes a decision to um, be with a human and in effect gives up on her Vulcanness and sort of trades in on that and the emotion takes control and whether or not that's a positive trade-off for her, whether or not it's something that she wants, whether or not it's something that she doesn't want. But they, I, I, I just think it's so, it's been so sloppy in interconnecting that growth that if it was intentional, I, like the reason I never thought it was intentional from the start is because they never really say anything about these perform. Like, there's never any moment where other characters talk about T'Pol's inconsistency as a Vulcan, and we've complained right. about that in the podcast right. before. It's like, well, what are these Vulcans supposed to be? The characters always say, "Oh, if you're so logical, Vulcan," as all these Vulcans are just freaking out all the time. It's like, is are we missing something yeah. that the characters yeah. not know? So when they get to T'Pol here, it just feels like it could have been if you had been laying this groundwork. And this was the way that you wanted T'Pol to go. I'd agree it's a better way to end up there. The drug thing, as you say, I'm just repeating you now, but it just it undercuts all of that. And it's no longer about what T'Pol wants. It's about what this space rock can do for you. Right, and it right. doesn't even justify why she wants it in the first place, which doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I don't disagree that maybe the, the setup, the, the lead up with her is, is inconsistent, you know, the way that they're, they're treating her. Or they have treated her and, and and her character. I think I think what shocks me is that the, the they clearly got to a point where they were like, okay, we need to address this, and they chose space crack <laughs> instead of what if she's a Vulcan who's maybe st- what if she's been living what if she's been living in the states so long she's starting to lose her accent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. They didn't go for that. They went for s- space drugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I It's true. And it it the, the reason it's so awful is that it comes across as extremely after school special. It's just so literal what's yes. going on that yeah. you're like, okay, this is this is just absurd and this is terrible. Um and that's Flocks, that was the point where I discovered drugs. It's drugs flocks it's what's doing this to me it's drugs that i make to in the basement <laughs> i'm strung out because the the basement got exploded and i couldn't get to my drugs <laughs> the to to bring it back i'm on to, drugs to bring, to, bring, <laughs> to bring it back to it should, it should just have a couple scenes of her like sort of rummaging through flocks things as he comes back into the room or something it's like oh, to Paul, what are you doing? nothing nothing, nothing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I need the money, flocks. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's that um, Chappelle joke about it's. It's it must be awful to have like a crackhead as your <laughs> landlord because he's coming over every day going, "I need the rent." I need. <laughs> like it's, it's the third of the month. I don't care. Pay me now. Um, so bring bring it back to Archer's problem. Is that? I just think that what's strange for Enterprise as a show is that it knows what it's doing and it's like the fifth Star Trek show at this point. So it has to know what it's playing against and the nature of a prequel would be like, this is how you design a Federation ethics and things like that. To to simply not have a lot of conversation about what's going on and instead rely on a very shaky scaffolding of relying on the Zindi plot and this race against the clock plot to provide enough information for you to be like, well, that's the only thing that they really could have done. It really just feels like a missed opportunity there to really talk about or look at a reason as to why why Starfleet would have these values and what makes this the prime time that you'd have to break those kinds of things. Cause like, as right. I said, the, the, the positive of this episode is this is maybe outside of things like in the pale moonlight, this is maybe one of the most drastic instances of a Starfleet crew doing something wrong that a cast has done intentionally and know, knowing that what they're doing is the wrong thing to do. You know, and I think that's, sure. a, that's a big step, but I don't walk away from the episode going, I don't walk away from this thinking that Archer ends it in the way that Cisco ended the pale moonlight where he's reflecting on this going, 
if I had to do it all over again, I would do it. You know, like mm-hmm. I've learned something about myself and I've learned about what it takes to do it. The show just well, treats to be f- good. I was just going to say, to be fair to that, though, we're not really through the weeds yet to get to that point. Like Cisco gets to that point after everything's said and done. Yes. Archer, we're kind of still in the process of what his actions are, well, what I, the I results could, of his actions are going to be. I could see an ending scene of this as the Enterprise flies away from that ship where Archer is sitting maybe talking to somebody, talking to Trip, or Like that scene where at the very end where he talks to Tripp's like, you did the right thing, Captain. And then Archer looks <laughs> back and he's like, I, I, wish I, I wish I had a response to that. I feel that that's a moment for that kind of Cisco talk there. And I know you don't want to bring it too close to the pale moonlight because then it would just be considered a ripoff of that. But I, I do need something there. Like the reason that pale moonlight works is because... They took a captain and the big, re- not the reveal, but the the punchline of the episode is that he admits at the finale that what I did was bad, but given the chance, I'd do it again. Like this, this was the right. only thing. And I feel bad. I feel awful about what happened. He murdered somebody. So, or he like didn't prevent somebody from being murdered. Archer has a nicer outcome, but it's more, as you say, more direct to it, but it doesn't feel like Archer has to struggle with this decision. And I think that all of these decisions should be a struggle for this crew. And I never get the sense that he's really conflicted about it. He acts conflicted, but you know I don't think he cool? really is. It would have been cool if the last scene was Archer standing out, looking out the window or whatever. And then from behind him, somebody says, you don't, you don't know what you've just done. And then Archer turns around and it's Daniels mm-hmm. because whatever he's done, has somehow fucked with the timeline <laughs> in a way that in a way that Daniels was and you know and Archer's just like I did what I had to do mm-hmm. at this t- moment in time and it was something that Daniels was not expecting. Sure. So like you know give give it some kind of give it a little zip to it yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you use Daniels for something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, would, I would. But Daniels now has like a elephant. Yeah, he's, he's got a third arm or something like that. The yeah, timeline is Archer's, Archer's actions have busted the space-time continuum. And before we go to the the patron thoughts and everything, I liked this. Do episode. you realize what you've done? Now whales are going to go extinct. <laughs> and someone's going to have to go back in time and get whales in about 80 years. You've made the plot to Voyage Home completely nonsensical at this point, Jonathan Archer. <laughs> it's the best TOS movie. Um controversial opinion from daniels um i and what's funny before we go to final thoughts i liked this episode too for enterprise i think but Mm -hmm. the series itself just has these flaws in it that outside of the 12 thing the 12 thing is not good but the the series itself just has real problems with telling star trek stories for some reason in a way that doesn't that feels like an evolution off of where the prior series had come from? It feels like it just reverts back to a more simple state of being. And because it's dealing with more complicated plots and more complicated ethics, it's it just ends up seeming a little bit simplistic. But I did I did think that what's, this was a bold choice for the show to do. I just wish it was a little bit better. What's funny though, and not to just continually discovery bash, but isn't this kind of similar? to what happened towards the end of season three of discovery where they're like we have to do this thing that is morally uh gray and then what's her name goes off and does it herself and nobody deals with the fact that she did it they just do like what i'm saying is they handle it better in this than they do in discovery yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is not really saying that we didn't even talk about the uh uh sphere lady the ghost sure. sphere lady there. There's a couple scenes of Zindi in this, too. I don't Zindi really know what, what there is too. to say. But. Yeah, they opened it with a discussion about the Zindi as well because they uh, they tell the aquatics to take Archer back to a ship. Um, it's just... There's not much to say. She's the she that we talked about in Azadi Prime, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a sphere builder. They are. That is what they look like, I guess. And it's going to be super underwhelming when they become the big bad of this and the Zindi, mm-hmm. except for the reptilians and maybe, maybe the bugs Zindi might join the reptilians because they're freaky as, as well. Uh, sort of 
continue on trying to destroy Earth and the rest of the Zindi and the Earth and the humans are trying to stop it from happening. The, the sphere builders are just a deus ex machina, basically. Like it's a way to yeah. to pull the strings of the, the that's, conflict. That's why I'm not 100% convinced that they are going to move into being like a an effective villain for the rest of the season. Like I... I I I I don't know if they're going to get much more involved than they were in this episode as far as being like well next time make sure everybody's here cuz it's wasting my time. Sure. No boots it, on the ground. I feel like it, from these guys just kind yeah. of a, a yeah. Yeah, cuz the puppet mastery nature of it makes a lot more sense for them and it makes more sense for the villain the the villain to be the reptilians. Because there's a now a split in the in yeah. the, uh, uh, the council, Zindi. and it, yeah, the man. I love those council guys. the The scene with the the three council guys the uh, the Wolfman guy and uh, the two humanoids, the black and the white Darmok, humanoid. What the hell's yeah. Det, Detmer? Uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Degra, 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 and the other guy. Great voices. They've just got such good voices. Where they're they're all in there, and they're like, "Well, we need to have him in one piece. We can't ask him questions if he's dead." You know, it's not quite, it's not quite Klingon, but it's got that like booming. These guys probably have done Shakespeare. You yeah, know? yeah. Theater acting, projecting to the back of the room. Yeah. With, with their speech. <laughs> yeah, I, the reptilians have small ears, so you must project. <laughs> yeah, I. We'll have more to say about this. I don't think you have much to learn about the Zindi in this one, but it doesn't really add anything to what that species does. Uh, we meet the female, no. the female sphere builder. I, I was a little confused exactly about the whole process of getting Archer back to the ship because I didn't realize that the 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 aquatic guys were in on it with the 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 ones that split from the reptilians. They're friendly, yeah. They're, they're Archer, friendly, I assume. And then Archer was in like a water ship, but then he ended up in space. And then nobody else really knew how he got back. And no, they just shot him on a, a just, shuttle pod. It, it seems like the the aquatics yeah, just like it, launched him into space. Yeah, it seemed it seemed really strange to me, and and uh, just sort of like we got to get him, we got to get him back, back to the like the the reptilians didn't realize this was happening. I don't I don't know. It, it's it's it's. It, Obviously, it's just like we got to move this along and get him back to the ship. Yeah. But there's I, a little. The specifics were a little bit gray. For I didn't me. get the sense from the Zindi, the three, the Degra Zindi group, that they were sending Archer back. Did they say that, or what? I mean, they, I think they do say it because no. of the aquatics. But I thought they were bringing him back to be questioned by them. But they are. So I mean, De- it's obviously yeah. part of this con where they send him back with that note that had the hidden message in it to be like, "Meet us at this secret location." Really, the the fatal flaw in that plan is that it would be like if me and you were walking down the street and you got jumped by three guys with baseball bats and they were just bashing your legs with the baseball bats. I was like, Clay, mm. uh, you know, we have to meet over there. If, if you could walk three miles over here this way after this attack, right. maybe, yes. maybe, maybe that'll be a good place to join. I would say maybe Degra should Wes, pick a closer you can spot. See, Wes, you can see that my kneecap is, <laughs> is 10 yards away from me now. I'm not going to be walking anywhere. Degra knows Wait the Enterprise was blown that to guy, That guy that we just passed, he has kneecaps. <laughs> I know what I have to do. They plug in real easy. But just I'm like not a sure truck. I'm strong enough to do it. Yeah, exactly. Just slot them right just in. Slap it right in. It's, oh, that went quicker than I expected. Um, Duct tape that shit up. That's really my only problem with that. Degra knew that the ship was completely in rough shape from that attack there's no way that they don't know that that had happened and to expect them to go an incredible distance without knowing that is uh, a little bit strange but it gives you the motivation to do what has to be done in this episode so let's go to patron thoughts we'll take a break now we'll play a clip from the episode which was damage then we'll come back read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about damage if i had another option i'd take it we're no different than the marauders who attacked us when we entered the expanse We're a lot different. By stealing their warp quill, we could be condemning them to death. We're going to leave them a supply of trellium along with some extra food. I'm not saying it'll be easy for them, but they'll stand a decent chance of making it home. You're afraid. 
forgetting that we're in a dangerous region of space. Our assaults could cripple their ability to defend themselves. Not if we do it right. And what if something goes wrong? We can debate this all day. I've made my decision. We can't save humanity without holding on to what makes us human. Thank you very much for listening to the show today. Thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. You get extra podcasts. We talked about the Battlestar Galactica miniseries. Uh, find the fi- Friday the 13th series is continuing. Clay and Amanda just released episode six for that. Mm, Jason, Jason lives, lives. Exclamation points. There's a whole bunch of stuff. If you want like 100 podcasts on various things, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Support the show there are, and get access to them. Are we in danger of becoming like a New York diner menu of podcasts where it's just like you open it up and there's like, it folds out twice yeah, and you're just like, well, they've got pancakes and they've also got lobster and yeah. everything in between. <laughs> you know that, you know that that's uh, any restaurant with a, the smaller the menu, the better quality food is at the restaurants mm-hmm. is the general rule of thumb. When you go to a cheesecake factory, you're not, you're not exactly getting the hand curated menu uh, that you'd expect from a small boutique shop. Special thank you goes to our Captain Tier supporters, who are Tark Latif, Samuel Custer, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Andrew Cherlog, Matt Ross, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Matt Christian Pouch, Nick Sergi, Cardinal Doomsday, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Reyes, Ball 13 Hero, Jordan Cooper, Darth Mosk, Russell Elledge, HS28, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajak, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jig123, Poindexter G, Patrick Siba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Sanchuan, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Corey Martin, Nick the Rat, Matt Houston, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Grappler, John Zorn, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardieu, Retail, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter's EWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchausen, James McLennan, Beal, Loki, Tuvix Must Die, Tommy Tango, and Jonas. Thank you very much for your support at this point. We much appreciate it. Let's go to patron thoughts. There's a couple of them. We read Kyle's, so we banged that one out of the way. And then we'll go to Matt Ross says, Damage, what annoyed me here was that the Enterprise has sympathizers in the Zindi, yet those sympathizers don't come to help. The moral conundrum to steal a warp coil, I keep thinking it's a slinky, is real, but don't worry, Enterprise will never fly back to the ship and give them a luckily compatible replacement part. Good to see Casey Big as the as the alien captain. To Paul and her addiction is a little weird in that the exposure to Trillium D to make a, makes a Vulcan a zombie, except when you shoot it up, which it seems easily cured. Why is Archer going on this mission personally? Three slinkies out of five. A latte librarian says, T'Pol deserves better than this addiction storyline. Archer is mildly convincing as an angsty pirate. Three wide-eyed explorers out of five. Royo says, It is my opinion that Damage is the best episode of Enterprise. Unfortunately, it's chained to all the weak, weak links of the Zindi arc. This is not an episode I'd recommend to people new to Star Trek, nor would I regularly rewatch this episode due to all the context and bag need for the whole season to set it up. We finally see Archer step it up as a leader and make the hard decisions and for characters to pay their own personal flaws, pay for their own personal flaws. Critically, the script understands that just because Archer has made a decision, it's not automatically morally right, unlike that time Archer sided with those pirates against humanity's merchant fleet. I suppose to Paul this whole time has been jonesing for that Trellium D, although given that Spock poses a Vulcan merchant dealing in Kevis and Trellium and Errand Kivas and, El- and Trellium and Errand of Mercy, did that mean he was posing as a drug dealer this whole time? Don't re- remember that reference at all. Five out of five from Royo. That was uh, that was a lot of caveats too. This is the best episode. Of <laughs> well, he say, to be fair, he does say that um, early on about it. Just it, it is it's the best for Enterprise. Uh, mm-hmm. The next comment is point extra G. I'm not really sure if making T'Pol an emotion junkie to explain her most recent behavior is actually better than just leaving her inconsistent and unexplained. I may have been wrong about the reset button. The lighting in this episode and the dressing to the set really sell the damage. The scene with Archer and Flux stood out to me. My favorite little detail, the low-fidelity, crackly audio on the ship's comms. It's a good point. I didn't notice it. Colonel Doomsday says the final comment. Damage the episode where Archer abandons his morals. T'Pol admits to drug addiction and T'Pol has an erotic hallucination that literally makes her turn green. I have a friend who thinks this episode is great, but there's too much craziness and sex in it for me. I enjoy Travis telling Hoshi that they'll get home, though. Three sex scenes in the shower out of five. Don't listen to that guy. He's not our core demographic. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe the patrons, or at least the commenting patrons, are... uh, a little bit more neutral on this one. I have seen damage mm. regularly seen in general as one of the better episodes of Star Trek, but what say you? Thank you, patrons, for your comments, Clay. What are you going to give this one? Um, why don't you go first on this one? Sure. 
So as a first note, this episode made me retroactively go back to Azadi Prime and Azadi Prime, which I gave a four, I'm changing to a three. This one, Ooh, interesting. This okay. one is going to get the four because I think my calibration was wrong. I think that this is an above average episode and Azadi Prime was just average when I look back on it. But this one, mm-hmm. the core idea here makes this one of the best Enterprise episodes that they've done, I think. Like the, the concept of what they're trying to do and where this is coming at this point in the season is very good for this show mm-hmm. and for Star Trek in general. I think that this is the kind of big big event that needed to happen. Never been done in Star Trek before to this extent of the characters actually doing something actively wrong and knowing about it. I think, it, as Royo says, it has all the Enterprise flaws he didn't say enterprise flaws. He said Zindi flaws. But I'm going to say it's enterprise flaws that kind of stop it from really being super effective. And yeah, to me, that just knocks it down. What could have been a five, what could have been a great linchpin turning key, turning point episode in this Zindi arc where the desperation causes Archer to steal and abandon people in their time of need doesn't land as effectively as it should have. And so I'm going to give it a four because I think it's a pretty good episode. Uh, and revert Azadi Prime back to a three, and that's my final fi- my final answer. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree, and I think I'm going to go with a four. Okay. Um, that that T'Pol stuff is really dragging it down. It's, T'Pol knocks it. Is, yeah, the, it can't be. No matter how good the Archer stuff, that T'Pol thing would knock it down from a five. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I I think yeah. Even I I think even without the T'Pol stuff, this wouldn't be a five for me. Yeah. Um, as it stands, I do think it has the potential to be five. I think it has the potential to be the best episode. Um, but I don't think it's there as much as I do think that what they are doing in the, the position that they put the enterprise in is, is very good and very effective. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to go with a four. Yeah. Seems, seems fair to me. Thank you. Patrons. We both give it a four. You're keeping a Zadi prime at a four. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, I still like that one. I That's fine. That pretty good. That's fine. So I will revert mine. This is a four. Clay gives this one a four. The patrons a little bit more mixed on it. Some fives, some threes. I don't think anyone gave it lower than a three. So maybe it's not a reviled episode. Thank you, everybody. Patreon.com slash file if you want to support the show there. Thank you for listening. It's been fun. We're continuing the Zindi story, which is getting close to the end at this point, interestingly. Um, maybe not interestingly, but we have like five or six episodes left. And... Honestly, that actually feels like a lot in some ways. Like, I'm surprised what's going to happen yeah. is going to take five episodes to reconcile itself. Yeah, like, what else is it? Well, the next episode. Next episode, they meet Degra. With right. Degra. Yeah. yeah. They convince him and then, in that episode. Right. Then you're chasing and the then, reptilians, I'm assuming, after I that guess. point. For like three episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. And Well, I mean, they might. It's possible they could they could wrap that up and then still have a couple episodes for like Fallout and stuff. Um, You'll have a Cold War episode, like, I think. They have to do a a focused Cold War episode, I would assume. You know, to sort of close out yeah, that temporal if they, aspect. If they if they do that, I bet that is not the next one, but the one after that. Yeah. So like they meet Degra, they know what they have to do, and then you get the Cold War episode. That's sort of like knocking them off course a little bit or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it delays them a little go, bit. Yeah. Maybe they go back to like St. Louis in 1986 yeah. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that does seem like kind of a lot, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Thank you. Well, we need, we need, uh, we need the intervention episode for DePaul. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's a full hour right there. A lot oh, yeah. of people sitting oh, yeah. in Archer's ready room on the couch. She comes in. She says, what Clip the hell's show. going on? Yeah. Clip show. Yep. Intervention clip show. <laughs> uh that's a that, that's a Paul storyline is pretty devastating. Pretty devastating. We'll see where it goes, whether or not this is devastating or just a bump in the road, strange decision, but if they, interesting. It, I think it's gonna be worse if they like I think it sucks as it is. Like at this point, I think it sucks. I would rather, if they're doing this as a reset, I would rather they just reset than go, like, full bore into the drug storyline where you have, like, the episode where she's crawling around on the floor, going through withdrawal and trips, like, holding her yep. while, you know, tears in heaven are playing yep. or whatever. Yep. 
that that I I don't need to see that. I don't need if you're gonna do it, just you know, just just cut cut me. <laughs> um, but you know, we'll see. Do you have anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, we've got Rotten Horror Picture Show. I've got Audition, Takashi Miike classic Audition. That's out. Then the next one after that will be a Quiet Place Part Two, which is fun because we actually got to go to the theater for that. Uh, as you said, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six is up on Patreon. We've got Badass coming out at this point. Joker's Millions will be out. Joker's Millions and Growing Pains, and I forget what the ones after that are, but they're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so check those out. Yep. ThePenskyFile.com slash badass. ThePenskyFile.com slash rotten horror. Are the two places for those. They're on all the so podcast simple. apps. Easy to remember. Easy to remember. Simple. And they're on the YouTube channel if you're more interested in that. We have a clips channel. You can check out the clips channel. If the podcast is too long for you, you just want the greatest hits sequence, you can go to our clips channel, which is linked in the YouTube account. And uh, there's the Discord. Is the is the Rick Berman supercut on that channel? Uh, no, I think that's on the main channel. I should put another copy oh, up on the, okay. on the clips. I, I'm pretty sure the Rick Berman is on the main channel because most people saw it, so that would mean that uh, it's on the main. Um, Discord, there's a Discord channel if you're interested in talking uh, to other people about these things. And there's links all down below for all that stuff. That's it. We're done. Thank you very much. We'll be back with the next episode, which I don't have lined up for me right now. I'm going to hit the button and see what it is. It's The Forgotten. The Forgotten is the next episode. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.